0: what's up there surf splendor podcast listeners this is your host david scales bringing you i think episode 54 of surf splendor so uh thanks for tuning back in last week's episode with mickey munoz part one fantastic feedback on that um really gratifying to hear that from you so thanks for all of that and then of course episode two is coming at the beginning of next week so um, more to come, you know, more more Mickey greatness is in the pipeline. And also big thanks for supporting our screening of Bella Vita. It actually happens and takes place tomorrow night from when I'm recording this, but we sold out the theater and I put in a request for a larger theater because I have people who waited till the last minute who are asking to purchase uh, tickets of which none are available. So hopefully we'll be able to get into a bigger theater and accommodate those people. But again, just thank you for supporting that. Um, you know, I don't earn a nickel off of it, but it's just a great communal thing to do together and to support the filmmaker and kind of the filmmaking community. The more success they have with projects like this, you know, the more they will be able to produce in the future. So that's all that my interest is in just hopefully next year we'll be sitting in the theater watching Jason Baffa's new film or whomever's new film. So really cool of everybody to support that. And I look forward actually to just meeting people tomorrow who maybe just listen to this show. And, uh, and I don't know personally, so thanks for all of that stuff. Um, and if you want to support this show, this podcast, uh, the best way to do it is just to share this show with friends You're our only form of advertising. I always say it, but it's entirely true. We've never earned a dime off this, but we've never spent a dime on it either in terms of advertising. So the way that it grows is just you share it with your friends and it organically, you know, snowballs and gains momentum. So we have more listeners now than we've ever had before. Last month was a record month and it looks like this month, probably with this episode, we'll push past last month. So uh, that's that's a good thing, you know, good things to come in 2015 based on the performance of the show. So keep doing that. You can um, follow us on social media at Surf Splendor. And then, of course, check out our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com, and uh, we'll have all the videos and everything that we discuss in today's show on our website. So without further ado, bringing you another episode of Surf News with our buddy, Scott Bass. Hope you enjoy. I'll be back at the end of the show to sign us off. Thanks.
1: Welcome down the line, Surf Talk Radio. Scott Bass and David Lee Scales with you here on this Tuesday, no, uh, September 23rd. And, uh, since we're mentioning the dates, I'll take this time to wish my son, Hank, a happy 16th birthday today. And I notice it's also Chris Cote's birthday as I scour Facebook here. Chris, wow. Chris Cote. Exciting day birthday. for Hank.
0: Hank Bass, happy birthday. Uh, where did you come up with the name Hank? Is he named after somebody? or
1: No, he's sort of, you know, I just we just thought it was a great, sort of a, a great boy's name, you know, his, his, it's not short for Henry, he's his birth certificate says Hank Um, Hank Bauer the the great number 37 of uh, San Diego Charger fame was sort of part of the um, inspiration and then um, there was a guy named Hank Converse who was a friend of my dad's who
0: um, you know that name sort of came from from him and Hank Bauer cool it's a good solid name but not a name that you hear that often anymore you know,
1: And it's a name that fits my son. Very, Does it?
0: Yeah, it's like he is a Hank. You know how when you look at a kid and you're like, that yeah. kid looks
1: like a Hank. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, so. I actually haven't thought that, but I do know the concept. <laughs> well, think about it. Do me a favor and think about it. <laughs> I know the concept <laughs> of looking at somebody and thinking that, yes. Okay. You're um, awfully literal today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, dude, I think we have cause for another celebration in oh, addition really? to Cote and Hank's birthday. Oh, what's that? We just passed our one-year anniversary together. You're kidding. No. It's been... September... It, that time flies. September 1st was our first episode of Surf News. Wow. Can you believe that? I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. I know.
1: What did you get me?
0: Well, <laughs> shockingly, you didn't remember, so uh, I don't feel bad for not getting you anything.
1: That's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> exactly. Is this wow. how your wife feels? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I purposely scheduled my wedding the day before my birthday so i would never forget my wedding anniversary really it's awfully selfish of me
0: yeah it is but it kind works of, yeah well you get half as many gifts probably does that happen you know well just one gift for both things yeah it's like the kids who have christmas or, or whose birthday is around christmas time um lots to catch up on dude a lot has happened since we last got together catch us up my friend what do
1: you got for us in uh, the catch-up
0: world well firstly the Gabriel Medina being a villain controversy has not ended. Since we last got together, he ran into two different people at lowers. Malia Ward pushed him over on a wave. He's causing havoc all throughout town. Have you seen any of this? Yeah, I did see some of this. Um, he's 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 like he's living, living up, up to, to your. Yeah, he is. Maybe he listens to the show. No, but
1: I think <laughs> that there's just you know, again, I didn't come to. This sort of um, understanding, or what's the word I'm looking for? I didn't, I didn't come to the fact that I felt like he fit the villain role really well by mere happenstance. I just got the vibe from him that, that he, that he's sort of look, he's a cocky kid. We were all a little bit cocky when we were 20 years old, and of course, we're not number one ranked surfer in the world. So right. there's going to be some cockiness that comes out in him, and some people love that about him, and in a way, I like it about him sure. too. But other people um, are going to see that as, oh, who does he think he is? In other words, it's easy to jump on sort of Gabe as the villain bandwagon. Um, And, and, you know, there's been other people like, you know, interestingly, when you think of Tom Curran, and Tom Curran in my generation was the guy, and he continues to be the guy for guys my age, you know, for the 40-something, the 35, the 40, the 45, the 50-year-old surfer. And Tom Curran carried himself in such a way that um, he's really the exact opposite of of a cocky surfer. He was very and continues to be very shy, sort of under the radar and just surfed with such magnetism that um, that you really wanted to like him. Yeah. You know, in some ways, Kelly is like that, too. You know, there's a sense of humility about Tom Curran and about Kelly Slater that you don't get. um, You don't get that sense of humility from Gabe Medina. And so. It's sort of easy to, again, just to kind of like... And not to mention that he's a Brazilian, which we talked about, which it's easy to sort of hate Brazilians for whatever reason. You know, is it that they travel in packs to surf spots and take over in an aggressive manner? Perhaps that's part of the reason why we don't... Why we paint the Brazilian surfing population with sort of a a broad brush that may not be fair, but it seems to be a generalization that people are buying into. So Gabe is a villain it's easy to see why and now you add these incidents that have made the rounds on the inertia probably on stab i'm sure there's something on beach grit uh, there's probably something on the surfer magazine message uh, forum uh, so you know it's easy to see why
0: gabe has sort of um, f- you know filled these shoes rather easily well we're Uh, revisiting this discussion that's taken place on the last two episodes and kind of couching it now as a foregone conclusion that he is a villain, I would like to... Is that code for you want me to shut up? No, no, no. (laughs) I would like to just restate that I don't share the same feelings that you do about Gabe. That's
1: right. David wants Gabe to win the world title this year, to dethrone the North American champion Kelly Slater. I also don't agree with that statement. (laughs) He's wearing his Brazilian shirt right now as we speak. He's got a Brazilian flag shirt that he's
0: wearing. I also also don't agree with any of those statements, but <laughs> yes, it is. No, you do want Gabe to win the world title this year. Uh, if here's what I said specifically was that if it propels Kelly to fight harder for the next five years, then yes, I do want Gabe to win the world title. Because if Gabe, if Kelly just wins a world title this year, he's more likely to retire than if he were to lose the world title this year. That was what I stated.
1: And I sort of feel like, wouldn't it be great if Kelly won the world title? took it snatched it from uh, this this brazilian red hot surfer and retired with the title in his possession i think that's a clean classy way to exit now again, i want five more years Adam. well again he's gonna surf in events we're I, gonna I see him in events you know? i understand i don't want to see him not win and then kind of be that guy that hangs on for too long i'd rather have him go out number one in the world we'll continue to see him throughout you know the surf media in the in the
0: ASP broadcasts on other, you know, in other formats, we're going to get that, uh, slowly riding into the sunset, no matter whether he retires now or in five years from now. So we could get five more years of pure competition and then 15 of him riding into the sunset from that point. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, look, it's not riding into the sunset in a, in a classy fashion. If he's constantly going up against John, John and Gabe and trying to win and never does finally get number 12, I would much rather him, as a fan of his, see him get number 12, say adios, and then,
0: of course, we'll see him at the Quicksilver Pro in March anyway. What I'm saying is, as a competitor, you need some sort of thorn in your side to drag out the best competition in you, and that's what we're seeing right now. And I think Kelly has the wherewithal, the, uh, the physique, the diet, all that kind of stuff, To keep competing on this level, what he needs is a motivator. And Gabriel Medina is that motivator. We haven't seen it since Andy Irons.
1: Well, I agree with you, and I love it. And You know me, I'm all about rivalries. What I'm suggesting to you is he wins number 12, he retires, Gabe thinks he's in position to do good, and who plays the spoiler? Kelly Slater comes on tour and surfs Chopu, surfs maybe the Quicksilver Pro, surfs Fiji and does really well in these events and all of a sudden is the spoiler guy that upsets Gabe from winning or any of these guys from winning their first titles
0: yeah but I think you're short-sighted in that 12 world titles is a lot I think he could get 20 and there could be a kid who isn't even born yet like John. John wasn't born when Kelly was winning his first world titles that will dethrone Kelly at 20 you know what I mean that's a reality a potential reality I think you should take off your Brazilian flag shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, th- speaking of Gabriel being a villain, there's two videos. We'll post them on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com and then down the line, radio.com. One is, um, they're both in warm-up sessions at Lowers. One is Gabriel burning a guy on a right and then does like a blowtail 360. The guy is a kook and he ditches his board right in front of Gabriel and Gabriel runs over his board. um, And they both fall at that point. But the other one is Gabriel on a left doing a massive full rotation air and literally lands on a dude's back who's paddling out and neglects to duck dive for some reason. (laughs) I don't know who that kook was either. Maybe it was the same guy who kicked his board out on the right. But I mean, literally Gabe, didn't do anything wrong in my eyes on that one. The guys who's paddling out on the left literally did not duck dive. And Gabe's already projecting into an air. Gabe can't really do anything at that point, And he lands on the dude's back.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's so hard out of context to
0: understand what really went down in any of these situations. You know what I mean? Not really, because I've surf lowers enough to know the people paddling out on those lefts are idiots. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a conveyor belt of idiots just paddling straight into the, like the steep part of the wave where you need to do a turn.
1: But but it, at some point, is it on the surfers um, you know, part of his responsibility to go, oh, you know what? There's obviously 100 guys in my way. It would probably
0: be um, ill-advised to launch into some kind of crazy aerial that I can't control. It would be, except for the fact that you're practicing for your world, first world title, you know what I mean? Like, at what point does it give, you know? Two words, trail six. Yeah, I go guess pre- so. Go practice there. I guess so. Um, by the way, in the heat round three heat with Gabe versus the wild card, my hero Carlos Munoz, um, there was a paddle. That's battle. right. The back of your t shirt has a Costa Rican flag on it.
1: I forgot. There was a paddle battle. Do you even can you can you even say the national anthem word for word right now? If I asked you to. Probably uh, not. Uh, anyways, Do you have any like, patriotism or anyways, any nationalism I just
0: got back from Boston, dude. Tons of patriotism. <laughs> Loved it there. <laughs> uh, studied our nation's... Ca- not capital, but... Anyways, uh, there was a paddle battle on that first wave between those guys. And I know you posted an Instagram that looked like Gabe was throwing an elbow across Carlos's face. Yeah. What's the blow-by-blow, blow, dude? What happened? You
1: know, it's an interesting situation. Uh, um, I watched the Heat Analyzer, and it really, to me... When push comes to shove, no pun intended, look, you're in a heat, you're in a competition, and you do whatever you can do to win the the heat and to move through the, the competition. So I really don't place any blame on either of the guys, you know? Um, well, you can't on Carlos because he didn't do anything. <laughs> well, except for afterwards, he kind of, he you know, there was a bit of like uproar about it. And did I,
0: he say anything on the webcast? I
1: don't know if he did or not, but certainly people in his camp were complaining about it and I threw it out there on Facebook to sort of stir the pot and to see what people's reactions were to it or actually it was on Jimmy Hogan's um, Facebook I didn't see that and it was pretty good and of course you know you're going to get a lot of Costa Rica fans on Jim Hogan's um, Facebook and so um, at the end of the day You know, what was most interesting is that you didn't get a lot of commentary from the broadcasters about it. Right. You know, like they didn't bring it up, which I think speaks volumes to perhaps it was a non-issue that was blown up into um, something that maybe it wasn't. Yeah. Um, Potts did say, whoa, looks like some elbows were thrown and then moved forward. I don't know if elbows were thrown. It just looked like to me he was paddling for the wave and he outsmarted and outclassed his component his opponent. I'm always I've always been as you know a big fan of battle battles and confrontations and conflict cuz I think it adds to the drama that and 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 even further to further that cause. I think it's good that Carlos sort of brought it up and that Jimmy brought it up. I would love it if Carlos was on tour and now we have a real rivalry between these guys, but we're probably not going to see Carlos for a you, couple of years, maybe yeah, never. Right? Maybe never. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> dude.
0: You know he's right there.
1: But so to summarize, I don't know if it was all that much of an issue, yeah, other than just good competition.
0: Yeah, it was, place. and I, I'm and, all...
1: he, and I would be the first one to want to kind of hammer on Gabe here, mm-hmm. um, because he is the villain, but um, you know, it is what it is. There, you put a jersey on, and, it, and all bets are off.
0: Yeah, Gabe didn't do anything wrong from what I saw, he was just aggressively trying to get the first wave, but also Carlos didn't really fully back down, but he also didn't really battle for the wave because really. It was Gabe's wave, like he didn't really need to battle for it. There was no gonna, he wasn't gonna get position on it. What he could have done is just put the brakes on, let Gabe paddle for the right and then go left if he really wanted to. And maybe he was waiting for a set right and that was his game plan, that's why he didn't go left. But it's like, it's much ado about nothing except for the fact that I think Gabe did one or two paddles kind of across the nose of Carlos's board that were unnecessary. I think he could have just as easily paddled just around him and gotten the wave. And maybe he intentionally went over the nose of his board with his arm just to like let him know, hey, I'm going. And, and I don't know the
1: word for word of the rule book, but certainly he could have been called, in my eyes, for a paddling interference. Could, could have, real. yeah. It wouldn't have surprised me, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been um, some contention about it, but, yeah. but I don't think, you know, I mean, it was pretty aggressive. You know, yeah. I think, and again... I would love to know exactly word for word. What does it say? Can you t- are you allowed to touch the guy? Are you allowed to physically bump his board? I'm not sure about that. If that's the case, then certainly you could yeah. see an interference. And wow, wouldn't that have done a lot mm-hmm. to the whole Gabe, Kelly Slater, the whole world title race with Mick and Parco and everybody? Yeah. If Gabe was DQ'd on his aggressive behavior, his aggressive modeling in that heat, that would have been a huge call for the ASP judges. You right. know? And you got to think... Were they kind of looking at each other and not biting, you know, maybe yeah. they were biting their tongues going, mm, no one saying anything. Okay, move on.
0: <laughs> right. You know? Well, I will give you one thought from a kind of sports psychology standpoint just to think about in the future, which is that type of aggression bodes well for getting your first world title because you can, you, can, you can sustain it for a short period of time. I don't think it bodes well for gaining 12 world titles. You know, because it fizzes out at some point. It's hard to maintain that type of intensity and aggression. You need to start drawing upon something else at a certain point. So good job, Gabe. You're doing a great job this year and you're winning events and that'll help you get to your world title. However, I don't know if that's a good life strategy.
1: Well, yeah, I would agree with that. And also it's not a good strategy for going to Costa Rica because one of the things that did come out of this, at least on Jimmy Hogan's Facebook post about this and of course his camp was up in arms and if you don't know jimmy hogan is the coach of carlos muñoz lives in costa yeah lives in costa rica and um the overriding vibe on that facebook thread was you know gabe's not welcome in costa rica and of course that came from a bunch of costa Ricans. so sure you know what for whatever that's worth um you know
0: yeah, well, I don't think Gabe's too interested, and in, he's got a lot of plans. I don't know if Costa Rica's on his list. Uh, no offense, of course. but um. Well, look, since we're on the trestles Hurley Pro, okay, um, yeah. let's just move into that
1: topic. And I know that you and I sort of have a lot of the same bullet points here, but um, the first is John John Florence. Um, you know, it was written that he was not only the best at Trestles, but he was also the best at Chopu, but came away empty-handed as far as titles from each of those events. Um, your thoughts on that comment?
0: Well, I stated, I think, on, I think I tweeted it, that I think John John Florence's round four heat was the, some of the best surfing I've ever seen in a contest jersey. And then one of our listeners chimed in and said, no way, Kelly's done it a million times, and I think you agreed with his Stance, hmm. or maybe you did. I don't know, but to answer your question, I absolutely agree. John John was the surfer of the event for me. Um, he's got, he's got, um, turn your phone off, Scott. Jeez, dude, totally right. <laughs> interrupting me. No, no, it's all right. Um, I think John John's got power, he's got the carves, he's got airs. Obviously, his board control is unbelievable, and in Tahiti, I mean, that's a different discussion. I do think he's incredible there but specifically at trestles he was the surfer of the event for me the one criticism i have of him is that he hops between maneuvers sometimes in a way that we've criticized adriana de souza it's not all the time but if you watch julian as a contrasting point julian drives every from maneuver to maneuver it's rail to rail driving john john he'll come out of a huge maneuver and then hop, 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 and then go into a huge maneuver. Sometimes he bottom turns into it, but a lot of times he hops. That's my only criticism. Well, you're right.
1: And I think it's a really valid one. And I think everyone sees it. There are moments, and we're being hypercritical of John John here, but there are transitional moments between maneuvers where he's a little bit awkward. And there's also, as Dave Price, one of our listeners pointed out, there's that moment in his mid-speed cutback where at the end, his hand and his arm placement, it looks a little bit awkward. And, and I went on to suggest that it looks sort of like Elaine from Seinfeld in the dance episode. And I would urge you to YouTube that. Do Why it? don't you post it on your website? I will. And if yes, that will happen. Yeah. But there is sort of an awkward moment with his hands and his arm placement where he just looks sort of out of sync. Now, it's only on sort of the slower mid-speed cutbacks. It's not on those really gorgeous, really full-rail, beautiful roundhouses where he does that extra tilt with his foot placement, and he just really hammers it back into the whitewash. But um, there is a little bit of awkwardness where you would hope that he smooths
0: out some of his style. Well, I stated, in response to your Elaine comment, I always thought Elaine was pretty freaking hot. (laughs) Not a classic beauty, but hot. And So you think Elaine is sexy? I do, for sure. Uh And, And that is a joke but I'm sp- I'm stating it as a metaphor to John John, where it's not classic what he's doing is not classically beautiful yeah but it's awesome yeah. I love it it's yeah. a style I've never seen before yeah. it's unique to him how do you make surfing unique at this point in the game everybody from Tom Curran, like riding a shortboard as a regular footer, it lowers. Everybody from Tom Curran to Kelly, what do you do different? And John John's finding a way to do it different. And it's beautiful. I love every moment of it. Um, except for those transitional hops and those except moments. Except for that, I guess yeah, you're yeah, right. Th- th- yeah, there yeah, are yeah. those
1: moments where if if we could just smooth that out a touch perhaps but you're right you don't
0: want to take away his mojo take away what makes him John yeah. John Florence but i agree with you there's something in my brain subconsciously that when he does that little hip wiggle or arm thing that lights up lights up some sort of neuron in my brain that's like whoa what was that and i'm i'm recognizing it but i'm not offended by it at all i'm kind of intrigued by it it's exotic
1: yeah, I see it as almost like um, sort of Gromhood. It's, it, to me, I, I get a real sense of youth when I see him do those things, you know, where yeah. you're like, you know, he's kind of doesn't care. He's just kind of, he's letting it all hang out, yeah. you know, and there's a sense of, of like, enthusiasm and, um, and, and just a go-gettedness, I guess, that, that I see when he's surfing that you go, you know, he's really, you know, he reminds me of a kid mm-hmm. at, you know, Huntington Beach Pier or at Seaside Reef. He just
0: has that real yeah. kind of kid vibe about it. Well, for people who didn't watch this event, there's only one thing that... I mean, you could go back if you got the time, but if you can only watch one thing, Round 4 Heat, John John Florence, for me, was the best surfing arguably I've ever seen in a contest jersey. He, he had like five nines, I think. You know, it was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's one of those things where if you sat um, a non-surfer down on the beach and you, and you showed him the event and you said, okay, who's the best surfer? You know, he would probably pick... John, John Florence, Mm -hmm. you know, you would, you would think, you know, based on take away the judging, take away all of that. Just put a guy on the beach and go, which guy dominated, right? You know, like, you know, your wife, my wife might go, well, that guy, the crowd was going crazy and look what he did. And he was just exciting and flamboyant. And it was obvious that he's the guy that to me looked like the best surfer. Yeah. And that's the case with Chopu too. You know, you walk away going, Oh, the best
0: surfer at the event maybe didn't win the title. Right. So uh, something dawned on me while I was watching this event as it was getting down to the narrow end of the, you know, the finals. And what it is is that I think there's three best surfers in every event. In this case, it was John, John, Florence, Jordy, and Kelly. For me, at lowers. In Tahiti, it was Kelly, John, John, and Gabriel. But in terms of trying to objectively judge an event, You can objectively weed out a lot of those 32 surfers along the way right up until the very end, I think, once you hit the semifinals, and then you kind of go, from this point on, all these guys are really at the same class, and the only difference is subjective now. I think I like John John Florence a little bit better. You think you like Jordy a little better it's almost impossible to split the hairs and figure out objectively who is better. I think we just have to say, these are the three best surfers of the event. And then we all just agree to disagree from that point on almost, you know what I mean? That's an
1: interesting point, you know, that's a great way to look at it. And it makes me wonder, wouldn't it be neat? And I'm just throwing this out there as we sort of riff on this idea. If the judges got together with the semi-finalists and and the webcasters and said, okay, look, we're clearing the slate. Here's what we want to see in these next three heats, the two semis and the final. Yeah. You know, we want to see X, Y, and Z. We either want to see length of ride. We want to see you finish your ride. If yeah. you don't finish your ride, you're going to be you know, right. let everybody know right. because even the broadcasters were going. Well, I think, I, I mean, I found myself going, "Is this an NSSA contest? Why do they have to finish the ride? Or why are they being um, penalized? Penalized? Thank yeah. you for for not finishing the you know finishing the ride cleanly. Because in the past, we've seen events where. At one huge beginning aerial, and if they fall on the inside, so what? What they did on the outside was so fantastic, it didn't matter. So wouldn't that be neat if the judges could get together with the broadcasters and hooey up with the surfers and go, this is what we're looking for. If you do something big on the outside, we're going to score you big. Or whatever the criteria may be. Let us all know. So that then the webcasters can go, okay, well, we've had our final hooey up with the the judges, and this is what we're going to be looking for. So we can definitely tell you, the viewers, that you know if it's not going to matter if they fall in that last maneuver
0: or it yeah. you know whatever it is. Well, that specific point you're absolutely right. In the past, they've said that they won't deduct points basically when they're watching a ride, if you're doing maneuvers and gaining points, there's nothing you can do from that point on that would take points away from the ride. But in this event, I think it was at the very first, maybe day one, they interviewed Richie Porta on the beach. And he said the opposite of that, basically. He said, look, we want to see guys finishing their ride, you know. And, and so that is interesting. Well, I think many you, progressive surfers
1: would argue that, that we're going backwards yeah, now. Yeah, that, totally. That, that's not what we're trying to do here, you know. Like, why is it that they can't? Why? Who, who you know, consigned Port, Richie Porta to make that decision? I mean... I, Like, where did that come from? Did he just wake up and go, that's what it is? Or did he? I'm sure it
0: came from somewhere, but I don't know. I would like to know where.
1: Because it does seem like you're going
0: backwards at that point. like,
1: why wouldn't, why are we holding back? Why aren't we allowing John John to do that big move on the very first, you know, the very first opportunity that he gets?
0: Well, what that would indicate by Porta saying that is that John John could do the most incredible surfing we've ever seen out the back, where he's garnered a 10 point ride, arguably, and then at the end go to just float the whitewash. Fall and they deduct to a 995.
1: Or if you've already got, feel like you got that 10 in the bag, just ride it out and just do sort of, you know, a generic turn at the end. Or and, just kick and, out. And complete the wave. Right. You know, like. Yeah.
0: No, it's challenging. Uh, w- just one thing that I would like to also point out is the first wave exchange in the final. Jordy gets the first wave. It's a set, it's pretty steep and short. He basically like blows tail on the first section. I think he floats and then he does this big power slam on the end section. Yeah, it was three turns. Three turns. Yeah, I remember. And it, So it wasn't a wave that ran all the way to the beach. It was just kind of like one that connected with an end section and he did three quick turns. It was like bang, bottom turn, bang, bottom turn, bang. And it was a nine three. It was a nine three. Yeah. John John gets the next wave, blows the tail out and does a big uh, 360 air essentially off the first section. It then goes a little bit slow, not not slow, but just a little bit slow. Fat, it wasn't yeah. standing up as much as Jordy's uh-huh. was, so he wraps it a few times. But they were powerful wraps. Yeah, but they were backs. sort of generic. They weren't sure. like
1: super critical.
0: Gets to the inside and it gets steep again. Although at this point it's only about waist high, and he busts in air, right? He, d- I think he did a couple vertical. Snaps first and then he busts, like, yeah, and ran rap, down and went boom, yeah, wrap back, wrap back, then boom, snap, snap, and then boom, blows tail, doesn't air on the inside, and they give him like a 767. And so, that is worth discussing. It's like John John did super intense maneuvers, but there was this downtime in between, but he made that work for him. He did more than three maneuvers that were critical. Jordy did three critical maneuvers. How is there a two-point difference between I, those waves? It's
1: interesting. I purposely watched the heat over and over again because I knew we'd be discussing it, and it was hard for me to, to find fault with any of... There wasn't a moment where I went, oh, that's obviously wrong what the judges have scored here. Agreed. And I think a lot of it is, you look at Jordy's first wave there was tons of flow and transition and smoothness. Like it was just no, there was no wasted energy and all the energy that was put out there was put in the perfect spot. I thought he surfed it pretty flawlessly. Agreed. And so there were those moments on John John's wave that you mentioned where, look, it was fat and slow and he was basically just trying to stay with the wave until it offered him more down the line, which it did. And so I guess maybe there's, you know, wave choice, you know, there was economy of motion. Yeah, he didn't. J- Jordy didn't waste anything. You know, um, so I, I didn't have a problem, and I wanted to find a problem, right, <laughs> with with the final heat and the way it was judged. And certainly, you could argue, you know, this point there, that point there, but I didn't see anything blatant that stood out at me, like, except for perhaps they overscored to set the bar too high. On Jordy's first wave,
0: I think they did. I agree with you. I didn't th- find anything egregious with the scoring, and it fits their criteria for what they set out. More importantly, like Jordy's ride, defined their criteria to a T, basically, and that's why they can warrant that score. I'm just saying it's really hard to pick the better surfer in that heat. You know, I mean, we did it to their criteria. Yeah, I agree. But you want to. Put it on pause pardon the interruption we just had to take a short break but what I was saying about oh, real quick maybe this is a good time to tell everyone that
1: we are broadcasting from Surfing Heritage and Culture Center here Shack. they call it Shack
0: in San Clemente this is our home studio this is our home studio and uh, surrounded by I'm looking at Kelly Slater's surfboard right here Tom Curran's actual surfboard Steve Liss Tom Parrish Jerry Lopez Plus a bunch of wooden boards. From I mean, like everything. Yeah, there's a plethora of
1: insane surfboards. Shane here. Dorian's
0: the, guns. Yeah, many historic surfboards in here. So, man, we should actually. I always forget. I'm gonna take a photo of us recording. I'll take a selfie and then we'll post that so people can see kind of what we're surrounded by because it call. is actually pretty crazy. Good call. Um, but anyways, what I was saying before the pause was, hey, I'm gonna go smile ahead for and this. talk. Go, go ahead and continue. Your arms not long enough. <laughs> smile, man. Hey. Right. Smile again? No. Oh my God. Okay. No. Yes. So, anyways, what I was talking about was Jordy. The, the basically the judges' criteria, uh, Jordy surfed to it, and therefore deserved the score that he got. Whether or not we think that it is the best surfing we saw in the event is almost irrelevant. The fact is that he surfed to the judges' criteria. So that's all I got. But I think John John again for me was the surfer of the event.
1: Yeah, and uh, it was good to see Jordy do so well. I, I'm not a big Jordy fan, but for whatever reason, I think part of it being that it sort of pushed Gabe back to the back yeah. into the
0: pack a little bit.
1: I was excited about that.
0: There's a couple other. I know this isn't an all Hurley Pro uh, show, but there's a couple other things that we should well, discuss. Well, there are. About
1: First it. and foremost is that because of the Carlos Munoz incident, Munoz, Munoz, Carlos Munoz, and Gabe. The villain going at it. Yeah. Um, many have taken to giving Gabe a new moniker, which is Lance, as in Lance Burkhart from the classic movie North Shore, as portrayed by Laird Hamilton, where he pulls on the leash
0: of Carlos Munoz. Many people have taken to this. Lance. <laughs> La- Lan- <laughs> many people have started using this moniker. Lance or you're Medina. you trying to Lan- start a new hashtag.
1: The new name is Lance Medina. So whenever you refer to Gabe,
0: just say Lance, and, I, and we'll all... People around the world will, will get it. We I get don't it. think you tried hard enough to come up with a name for Lance Medina. It's like at least blend them together or something. Like <laughs> I tried. Oh, All you I, did?
1: I did. You tried. You, good luck with it. I'm telling you, Lance Medina is as good as I could come up with.
0: Alright. Well, uh, one other thing that I noticed at this event is just heavy claiming going down. It seems like in Tahiti it's warranted when you're getting spit out of a, you know, fifteen foot barrel. But it's like guys finish waves nowadays that are sevens and claim it so freaking hard. And I just, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, you know,
1: part of the part of the claiming that I see, it's almost like the, the contestants are sort of confused by what the judges want. And so at the end of the wave, they're like, come on, what else do you want from me? Yeah, maybe you know? that's what it is. It seems like there's a sense of, dude, if that's not a nine-five, I don't know what is. Right. Like, I just gave it my all, right. you know? You're really going to give me a six?
0: Yeah. It's not like so, yeah. It's almost it's almost claiming in frustration, like in contention. Yeah, you know. Um, Another thing, the move of the event for me, Taj Burrow's tail blow against Kelly Slater in round five. Did you remember seeing that huge layback kind of thing? I I vaguely
1: remember that. That's not the move that sticks out to me as the move of the event. And there were there's certainly you could make a list of the top five moves that were maybe there. For me the move of the event is round one. Kelly Slater's was it round one where he landed that aerial, that
0: big straight,
1: the air big straight air, which is so much more difficult to do than a rotation. Hmm. And he was way out there, landed in the flats to the lay back. That to me was a mind blowing, by the way, underscored, I thought. And, um, and I know that, you know, you, you Everyone could point to many of the maneuvers that John John did as potentially the maneuver of the event.
0: And Felipe's big backside That spin. was really radical. Yeah.
1: But again, the rotations are way easier than just the straight air, no grab, super covering and, and connecting and making a, a section and doing it. Yeah. Um, just looked insane. So well,
0: I thought that was the maneuver of see, the event. I thought Taj's tail blow got overlooked because of all the airs, but it's basically a layback into the first section. I do remember that now. And he yeah. just went...
1: I mean, it, he went so hard. Lost it, pulled it back underneath him with his foot. He was kind
0: of in yeah. the white water. It was like Tom Curran's at J Bay, you know, like that type of a loss of the board, yeah. but still lands it. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to discuss about the event is the Heritage Heat. I freaking love the Heritage Heats, dude. I think we need one in every single event, and uh, it's so fun to anticipate throughout the event, and then they do it, and it was... It was rad. You know? They do a
1: great job of building up the rivalry, which is what they should do more of with the with the you know the competitors that are actually on the WCT, um, you know, because yeah. that's what yeah, gets yeah, us yeah. fired up. Is that like they give us some backstory about Ger and Potts, and everyone starts to buy into it. That's the thing that they can do um, for rivalries that exist already. They need to uncover them. We didn't know about the Ger Potts rivalry until this year. Did you Many of us. Of course I did. And well, some but I mean that's underneath Disneyland. The majority of the people didn't know that Grum Potts had an incident in Japan in 89 or what 91 or whatever it was. Right. So, until this event. Now why can't That tells me that there's rivalries, there's incidents, there's things that happen on tour that need to be excavated so that you and I can understand that, hey this is a big heat coming up because Simpo doesn't like that guy or this guy doesn't like that guy because of an event that happened or a bar fight that took place or he hit yeah. on
0: his girlfriend you know like so what was the Japan thing they they alluded to it and said that there was some punches thrown but do you know actually what happened
1: well i don't know the exact specifics okay. of it but it was basically you know two pit bulls um, you know, getting into it over a wave. And I think that there was, you know, the point of boards being um, shoved into other guys board, you know, Gurr or Potts shoved their board into the other guys board. And that's so lame. And (laughs) they (laughs) came down to, they had to call the two surfers into the beach and calm them down and go, we can't have a fight at this event. You know, they had to stop the heat mid heat and bring them into the beach.
0: Wow, that's crazy. good stuff that's yeah, totally that's must watch tv totally
1: that's the kind of thing that i think that you could excavate better yeah now I, regarding this particular heat i was a little embarrassed for Potts. i didn't think he oh, lived yeah. up to the hype i almost oh, felt yeah. like oh really you know this is kind of a bummer for him yeah you know um, I, I expected more from him and certainly gerlach looked on form him and ready to take it down and he did
0: well go to lipsandads.com now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com i hate to really say this i know it's blasphemy but Potts is slowly working his way onto my kook of the week list after <laughs> each either, event you're either on the list or you're not on dude the list. he's creeping his way win. no he's one t- tippy toe at a time working <laughs> his way onto it All right. and it's because his commentary i don't Really stand behind. I don't think he believes half of the stuff that he's saying. He's trying to manufacture passion about stuff, and I don't know how many times he said the the bottom turn is the most underrated move in surfing. And it's like I don't think it's underrated. We all know how important a bottom turn is. You know what I mean? So it's not underrated. It's super important, but we all get that. And and he just kind of like picks something in a heat, like oh, so and so shouldn't have waited. Should, should have battled for the first wave and then sticks with that and says it repeatedly over and over throughout the event. And I think John John should go 75%. Well, freaking A, we wouldn't have seen what we saw in round four with John John if he went 75%. I don't think it's smart to advertise these guys. You want to see him go 100% all the time, but he sticks to that. And so. Potts never surfed 75%. I don't think he believes that you should surf 75%. I don't know why Potts is saying that. There's something about Potts in the booth that feels insincere to me, and it's not the Potts that we all love. I've spent time with Potts personally, and I like like him as an individual. This persona that he has on the ASP webcast, I feel, isn't the Potts that I know.
1: Well, you know, again, I would just say like it's hard to it's it's a very difficult job. Yeah, of course. And you can only say so many things, you know, like there's not an, an unlimited amount of stuff to say. And of course. You've got 8
0: 10 hours a but, day and But you know. people do it. People do it more successfully. Well, so that's all. And the the thing with him surfing, Gur surfs essentially for a living. He doesn't have real responsibilities in terms of a family and a, a full-time job and all that kind of stuff. And he showed it, you know, the guy's fit and he surfs all the time and he looked great out there. Potts, the one thing I will give him is he's got other things going on in his life other than surfing. And unfortunately, I think that showed in his you know, look. I want to get
1: back to the heritage heat and j- just let me take a side yeah. note here because you're talking about the broadcasting and it's got me thinking about some things. And one of the things is, is that I thought Sean Thompson did a great job in the booth.
0: Agreed. And there's
1: another guy that and I know that the ASP is continuing to mold their product and, and change it and massage it so that it's better for you and I and the fans out there. Um, one of the guys that I would love to see, and this would be a full wild card, but I think it would be worth a shot is uh, Ian Cairns, Kanga, because Kanga has nothing to lose. He, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a legend in the sport. And this is a guy that calls it like he sees it. And I really think that that's what you and I and the fans are looking for as a guy that's like, no, that was lame. And I've seen some of the commentary from Kanga on Facebook about certain heats and he's definitely into it. You know, yeah, like he he's watches it he's com- and he's completely opinionated and he's a guy like, uh, like a Johnny Miller in golf um, that or a John McEnroe in tennis that you're going to get a full-on opinion. And it's going to be respectful. It's going to mm-hmm. be professional. He's not going to blather at the mouth something idiotic. But um, he's going to demand your respect because he's lived it. Yeah. I and mean, this guy basically was one of the pioneers that created what it is that we're watching right now. So I think it would be neat.
0: To I get Kanga
1: into the into the commentary booth because he's not going to BS it. And that's he's a great be, call. He was you know talking about you know situations uh, that happened in certain heats with such clarity and such um, passion and opinion that I just was like we got to get this guy in the booth. He's yeah. right on target here. And even if you don't agree with him, you're, you're going to have a hard time arguing against him because he's lived it. He's walked the walk, and that's the kind of guy. And if it's not him, you know Brad's. Gerlach one of those guys too. Mm-hmm. The ASP can't be afraid of having some contention in the booth, yeah. because we're you know when you speak of Potter, you know we're getting sort of that vibe that. You know, he's protecting the shield, so to speak, you know, protecting the ASP, which is his job. You don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, but the ASP at some point needs to grow up. And good Lord, you know, we're 35 years in here. You know, yeah.
0: Why not today? Did you see Kanga's Instagram of how bad he got worked last yeah. week in the 110th yeah, Shore break? Yeah, he got Dude, he him. ate crap on a stand-up paddle. On a small wave, but still just got worked. I think his board hit him in the head or something and just cut his forehead, huge gash on his forehead, had to get stitched up. Pretty brutal, bloody. Um, Back to the heritage, you mentioned, look, I'd
1: like to see one of these at each event. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that's a great idea. Now, I think it's a great idea if there are true rivalries that we could continue to excavate from the past. And I think it's smart for the ASP to tell the story of the past in this fashion. But I'm not sure that there's a bunch of those out there. Now, I could be wrong, but I would ask you, who's next? And interestingly, Gurr was sort of was sort of campaigning for him and Curran. You know, you could tell Gurr's like, yeah. I'll do this at every event. Right. <laughs> I love this. And, and and I don't know if the Gurr Curran rivalry exists. I think with Tommy, you know, he was just sort of so much better than everybody that that everyone wishes that there was a rivalry there, yeah. but I don't think there was a real rivalry there. Um, I don't you know. know. But who, who do you you know? Is is it Barton Lynch and Damian Hardman? Is that like the great next rivalry? Well, that doesn't stick out as a real sexy rivalry to me. Perhaps because I'm North American. Maybe in Australia, that's a big rivalry. I do think that Damian Hardman um, had some rivals. I think there, there's, he was a competitor. To this guy, he
0: was a scrappy guy. Well, I don't think the only angle is rivalry. I think that there's just iconic surfers that we'd like to watch surf against each other again. Like, for example, not that Holly Eva isn't a spot on the CT, but it's like I'd love to see Ross Williams and Shane Dorian go have a heat out there, you know, during the QS event. Those are two surfers I grew up watching, both surfing that wave a lot, and they both rip still today. I think that'd be a great heat. Or or a backdoor, for that matter, during the CT event, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe that one, that one
1: in particular doesn't like really move the needle for me. Um, but that era, maybe I could see. You know, you know what would be good would be Machado and Slater, if he ever retires, right? Machado and Slater at Pipe. Yeah, or sh-
0: freaking Shane Beshan at Slater. Well, that's and Slater the at the one, U.S. Right? Open.
1: <laughs> well, the Slater and Shane Beshin at Gland, where oh, Beshan yeah, got yeah, like yeah. three tens or right. two tens or something. That's the one that everyone points to with Bashan is Mm Bashan and Slater. but um, I'm not so sure there's a bunch of really sexy things that we could,
0: you know... Yeah, well, there's a couple of... So I think,
1: I I guess, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but what I'll say is I
0: like the idea of them doing these. I just want them to think them through really thoroughly. I agree. Uh, Did you see the news that just came out about Jordy Smith nearly being fined for wearing his Red Bull hat on stage? I did, and we're trying to figure out a name for it. It's either
1: red bull gate or hat gate or jordy gate or and i was um twittering i don't know if you saw the twitter with no. Chaz smith from beach grip but i asked him what do i call this thing you know like we gotta have a name for it how about lackey gate he's like i really like lackey gate you know referring to the guy that runs down to the cobblestone and always puts the hat on the right. guy that's the team manager lackey yeah, yeah, yeah. so the name lackey gate came out as the moniker for this uh for this. What is this? This Is a, is this true, by the way?
0: It's true. Um, Jordy was not fined by the ASP, but after he won the Heat, and right when he was going up on stage, they were saying that they were going to fine him if he wore the hat. And it's a matter of whether his contract with Red Bull was signed before the ASP instituted this rule or not. And the, the kind of rumor is that Monster Energy Drink is going to be sponsoring the podium in 2015, and part of that deal says that people aren't allowed to advertise other energy drinks through the end of this year. And so the ASP instituted a rule saying that the athletes aren't allowed to wear those hats on the stage unless they're contractually obligated to wear their hat, you know, prior to this rule being stated. So They basically said, Jordy, you cannot wear your hat. And he's like, dude, I'm going to wear my hat no matter what you guys say. And um, they did some research and found out his contract was signed before, so they allowed him to wear his hat. But they were going to fine him $50,000 for wearing the hat on stage. Uh, So what are your thoughts? Well, first of all,
1: um, a search of the ASP website for their rule book came up nothing. There was a, you know, you know, did not find message yeah. or something. Sure, sure. <laughs> which I thought was funny. And I read that on Beach Grit, which was Chaz yeah. doing his thing. Um, my thoughts are I'm a little disappointed that we're spreading the message of these, um, these energy drinks. I, I, I'm
0: not a big fan of these energy Neither drinks. Neither am I, yeah. And Dane, so Dane, Dane Reynolds turned down sponsorship back in the day. Because he's like, I don't believe in it. I, th- I think that stuff's,
1: a ba- I think it's bad. Yeah. For, I, I don't think we want our kids drinking that stuff. I, I don't, but you know, that's just a personal thing. When was the last time you drank a Red Bull? A long, long time ago. Yeah. Probably at Jamie O'Brien's house watching the pipeline event. Cause it was okay. just stocked. Name
0: dropper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I <am laughs> dropping Jamie's name. Um. But I, I agree with you. Completely.
1: But you know, here's here. And I'm just going to be completely transparent if monster or red bull came to me and said, Hey, we want to sponsor the boardroom. I'd be like killer. Let's do it. You know what I mean? So I understand the ASP's need to, to, to monetize. So yeah. And, and I would love it if it was perps, if it was Kelly Slater's new brand, yeah. which apparently
0: is made of healthy things and it's a healthy drink, you know, like <laughs> right. that would be cool. I'd right. be like, cool. You know? Um, so for listeners, I think numbers are always, uh, impactful. So what this article said on stab, um, Was that Jordy quickly did the math, adding up the event prize purse, which was a hundred thousand dollars, his bonuses, red which Red Bull typically typically gives twenty five thousand dollars for WCT victories plus his base salary from Red Bull, which is $350,000 a year. You're kidding. No. Holy mackerel. And he decided pretty easily he's willing to wear the $50,000 fine. You know what I mean? Well,
1: what's the really good move here, David? Here's the quiz. What's the really good move if you're
0: Jordy Smith? Freaking wear your hat because it's your employer's hat but and pay going. the fifty grand. But keep going.
1: I'm done. What do you got? What you do is you go, you know what? I'm going to take the fifty grand and I'm going to match it. For this foundation that I believe in, whatever it is, so this is a great moment to take your cause and put it in front of everybody because you've got the national spotlight, or at least the industry spotlight here. Yeah. So you go, you know what? I'm going to pay the 50 grand, and I'm asking the ASP to match my 50 grand, or use my 50 yeah. grand to ask them to, to, to this cause. It. Yeah. Put right. them on the put them in the spotlight. Right. Leverage it. Like, go, what? You don't want to step up? How about Waves for
0: Water for Hurricane Odell? Yeah. I'll Odell. I'll give you. I'll write this con- this check for 50 grand right now to Waves for Water with the stipulation water. that. That you donate it. Yeah, I mean, and you got the
1: spotlight and everyone's on it and it's all happening right now. That's the move you make. Whenever you get fined for something, you just
0: basically go step up. Throw it on them. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that Red Bull would have wrote that check for for Jordy. You know what I mean? It's
1: it's a win-win-win. It's a great opportunity for everyone to look good. And now they're getting
0: publicity out of it. Yeah. You know. And in a bizarre subplot, Jordy's Red Bull cans, the actual drink itself, went missing from his locker throughout the week. He'd show up to the event site with a six-pack. <laughs> of are kidding me! No, so Somebody is there some was ASP
1: it. lackey? Is this part of lackey There's an Apparently. ASP lackey that goes in and checks all the lockers for
0: energy drink that is or is not allowed. He he literally said in this interview with Stab, he's like. It's my property, brew. They're stealing my property. That's incredible. <laughs> and he was and it happened multiple times. He'd show okay, so up. So
1: what's the move now? Is you get you get Red Bull wraps for your Starbucks coffee. Wherever you go, you just got Red Bull gloves on. You got you know how the football players put the stuff under their eyes, the black yeah. you get Red Bull stuff under your eyes for heats to keep the glare
0: off. It could be, man. It's gonna get ugly. Um, and then finally, ASP talk. ASP changed their name, dude, for 2015. Did you see that? I did. Is it even worth discussing? I think it is. I think it's funny. I I don't know if it's funny. I guess my
1: initial reaction was I was a little bit, I think I was a little bit disappointed. And then when I sort of tried to look into where my disappointment came from, I think it's just that I'm connected to ASP. Yeah, it's change. It's change, yeah. People don't like change. Yeah, I don't like change.
0: But at the end of the day, I'm like, whatever. They're changing it to WSL, World Surf League, or Surfing League, or something. Right. So I don't have an opinion about it. I I think part
1: of it is, and I read this online, is that is that the ASP might be going, You look, it's hard to sell this brand to sponsors because they've been sold this brand before or they've been pitched this brand before in the past by the other stakeholders and it never went well. So we need to come at them with something completely new. Right. And it's way easier to go at Monster with the WSL or go at Samsung or Apple or Toyota. And the, you know the last thing they want is, oh, you know what? You pitched this to us four years ago and we hated it for these reasons. Mm-hmm. They want to come in and go, look, we're different now. We're new owners. We've changed the name. Here's our whole new spiel. And I think that's a a big uh, part of why this is why this name
0: change took place yeah that makes sense I'm glad you explained that I'm fine with it either way but um that's all the a s p talk for today I think dude it we was just a lot. like it was a lot this show is gonna be gargantuan which I think listeners are okay with but
1: um, well um I've got through the surface which is my friend Clint and his buddy Clifford Capono who um who are producing, well, here's what they're doing. One, Clint works at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography. I'm a big fan of SIO. Uh, Clifford is, I think, a PhD student, or at least an upper grad student, a grad student at UCSD. And they've done this thing um, where they're trying to, um, in the past, they've photographed coral reef systems, high definition. Think of it like Google Earth, but for underwater, for surfers. And so they go to all of these locations, and they they film um, the coral reef systems in this really incredible high-def imagery. And they're in the process of, they're, with, they're one of six finalists to win $50,000 from National Geographic. So they've made the cut from hundreds of, of um, submissions, and now they're one of the six finalists. And so they're asking me and you to put the word out there for the surf fans around the world that listen to our show to go and vote for them. So I'll put the link on my site. Hopefully you'll put the link on your site and you can vote every day. You can vote one you time. You don't have to log in or anything. You no, just no, click no. the vote button. Yeah. yeah. It's super easy. Click and vote. It takes literally three seconds. Yeah. There's no login, no BS, no right. capturing of my email. I so watch- Clint and Cliff, it's called, uh, through the surface
0: is is there um and they're trying to bring awareness to to uh basically keep the reefs healthy right that's yeah if you're into like, saving
1: coral reefs yeah. you're into this project and and clint cliff capono does capono ring a bell do you i was wondering if you would know the name capono no. hawaiian name what about cecilio and capono nope ever heard of cecilio and capono there this is where the difference between david and scott is, is yeah that you don't know who cecilio and capono how do you feel about sour patch candy
0: because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm into
1: I'm sour, sour patch I'm candy just, just saying the, the, the phrase sour patch candy saying those words makes my cheeks sink in yeah. my cheeks sink yeah. in
0: okay well carry yeah. on Cecilia and
1: Capono I'm going to urge you David to do some do a, a YouTube search on Cecilio and Capono Capono, Cecilio it's a big part of Hawaiian
0: culture music I'll come back next week or two weeks from now when we meet again and give you a little book report.
1: Gotta get away for a while to ease my head. Everybody knows that's the way we do it. You know, Cecilio. Who and Capone. sings that? Cecilio and Caputo. Let's oh, keep, let's it, that keep way. it that way. Mm-hmm. Hey,
0: I'm with you. Um, so that's so, through the surface. Go boat. Yeah, so, so I actually watched their video, through the surface video. Yes. Those kids actually surf really well. There's a couple video clips of them surfing. Have you? Did you I watch did. it? I did watch the it. The kids yeah. rip. Oh yeah. They're not no kids. Question. They're like twenty something kids, dude. groms They're ripping. Okay. That's all that matters. Uh, 100 Wave Challenge recap. Oh, my God. The 100 just, Wave Challenge was gnarly. Man. You just did that <clears throat> last week? Saturday. I know you were fundraising for it previously. How did that go? Did you hit your goals? <clears throat> yeah, the fundraising
1: went great. We had a team called the Cardiff Kooks, and we were the number one fundraising team. We raised – our team raised $35,000 and change. And overall, the overall 100 Wave Challenge – Raised over three hundred thousand dollars. Crazy, yeah. So a big success, and it was very difficult. We all showed up uh, Saturday morning at Mission Beach, put on our jerseys, and went out there and slowly but surely caught our hundred waves. And it was
0: a lot harder than I thought it was
1: going to be. I can't
0: imagine catching a hundred waves.
1: It was difficult. The first, you know, seventy were kind of doable, <laughs> but from seventy to a hundred. It didn't help that the wind came on shore, the tide dropped, so it was these really crappy, kind of dredging beach break thumpers that yeah. were walled off. So, um, and then paddling through that just to get out to maybe catch another one. Yeah. Uh, you know, at around 85, you were going, oh my God, this is really quite a challenge. You're just going for whitewash at a certain point, right? I didn't do that. It was, you know, that was sort of my intention at first was, you know, catch anything, but, um, and I caught a few whitewashes, but, but generally, everyone was catching green-faced waves, which really? was kind of cool. Because everyone was kind of poo-pooing the, the water. I did catch reforms that reformed into sure. green open-faced waves. Sure, sure. But, how long um, did
0: it take you to catch a hundred waves?
1: Five hours Wow yeah I finished at one o'clock I started at seven o'clock with breaks you know crazy dude
0: yeah what are the what does boys to men do with that 300 grand?
1: Well they have um, programs in San Diego County and they're trying to expand the programs you know to get more mentors to get more volunteers um, to go into more middle schools and high schools in San Diego County so I would imagine that uh, their plan is to just grow the pond you mm. know and um, they can do that now. So um, I look forward to doing it next year, man. And Bravo. you're going to be involved. You're going you're gonna... to. I was
0: involved. Yeah, you were. Thank you for your donation, yeah, by see? the way. I
1: really appreciate it. Jeez. With all sincerity, that was um, really generous of you. And thank I you I was actually
0: much. surfing down the beach for me that morning. So I could have participated, but it was a birthday party, family birthday party, at your, your normal surf spot where you normally go. That's where I was. Okay. So there was some waves. Spot X. Spot X. (laughs) Right off of PCH. (laughs) Okay. Super hidden secret spot. But there were some waves that day. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, Speaking
1: of riding waves, I was wondering, I thought it'd be neat to tell the listeners, what are you riding? So tell me about um, surfboards that you're riding. Is there one board in particular that you've been riding? Anything that we haven't (sighs) told the listeners?
0: Not really. I've got some boards that I've been riding. I know. So, dude, you're driving me nuts. Yeah. I am lucky if I buy three new surfboards a year yeah, and then I, maybe a couple used ones here and there, but you freaking have new surfboards all the time. I know. And it's not good. It's kind of a problem, really, to be honest with you. I people.
1: would love to have that problem. What's the deal, dude? How do you sustain this? I just rationalize that I can afford another board and, when, in fact, I can't. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, look, the board that I'm super psyched on right now is an older board. It's a board I've had for at least five or six years that I just sort of rediscovered. Yeah. And I don't know if this is going to be a good segment or not, but I'm just going to tell the listeners that people are interested that I am riding a five, nine, John Bellick quad fin. It has XTR foam uh, from my friend Javier there in Oceanside. And, um, I just love it. You know, it's a board that I sort of put in the rafters and I rediscovered it and I'm back riding it. And, um, John Bellick is an old San Diego Point Loma guy who moved to Maui and got heavily involved in the sailboard industry and designing sailboards. And he came back a number of years ago and we got hooked up and he made me a great board. And, um,
0: what, what's the dimensions? You know, the actual
1: numbers, I don't know. I want to say it's probably like 20 and a quarter or 20 and a half wide. Okay. It's probably two and a half thick. It's five nine. It's sort of got a fishy outline, you know, but right. with a pulled in nose. Kind of like a Steve List. More pulled in. I'm also riding um, a 510 Hinson Twinser that, interestingly enough, I don't even own. I'm borrowing it. <laughs> but it's, it's one of the great Hinson Twinsers that Mike made a few years ago. Like how long? 510. Okay. 510 with the, the Twinser set up, you know, the big twin fin with the little kind of canards up front. And I'm also riding my um, five nine uh, f- a nine four longboard that Wayne Rich made me. Nice. That is just a board that I go to when it's like today, like one to three feet, little glassy peelers. So for nose riding, a, a Wayne Rich longboard. What were you riding in the Hundred Wave Challenge? I was riding a Rob Machado uh, round board that Rob just made me. That it's orange one I saw in your garage. Yeah. Yeah. The orange one, and I'm starting to to like that board and fall in love with that board and understand the nuances of that board and it paddles incredible and i ran into rob the other day yesterday or sunday i guess at at uh, a store and um yeah you know we we chatted about the design a little bit and Mm -hmm. we're about refining it a little bit perhaps and um cool Yeah,
0: yeah dude you got quite the quiver Jealous.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? Happiness, it's like, what did George Carlin say? It's like, if acquiring material things made you happy, that's like taping sandwiches to yourself to, to end your hunger. You know? It doesn't, right. And I'm sure I butchered that pretty heavily. It's a but, good
0: analogy, though. Yeah. I always liked when he said, uh, there's no such thing as a self-help book. If you're reading a book to get help, that's just called help. You know? <laughs> if somebody else is giving you the advice, that's just help. That's not self-help.
1: Uh, this is a self-help so. podcast.
0: Uh, so did you hear Kelly Slater's new song? I did not listen to it. Do it almost sounds like it? it almost sounds like I'm setting up a joke. It kind of does. But no, this is not a joke. Kelly Slater has a I was new song. I
1: was afraid I was going to I was afraid I was going to be embarrassed for him, so yeah. I didn't listen to it. I was a little bit
0: cringing when I saw this, you know what I mean? It's so funny that you say that because I had the exact same response. I put it on our notes when it came out maybe a week ago and did not watch it until this morning, right before we came here. I just had no interest in pushing play. I didn't. Is it a love song, too? That's another thing. I heard that it was like a slow love song. I'm
1: like, it's Do not I really. Love- I don't want to ruin, like, yeah, you know, like I'm a fan of Kelly Slater's. I don't want to have a reason to go, really, dude, this isn't, but maybe it's great. I don't know. It's not
0: great, but it's not awful. It's just like b- blah. You know, it's whatever. It's just like a... It's not cheesy, really. It's just like this kind of wannabe, almost like a Jack Johnson vibe, but a little bit more production value. It's not just like acoustic guitar. But his singing isn't horrible, but it's not good. I don't think anybody would watch it on YouTube if it didn't have Kelly Slater's name attached to it. It's not really a single. You know, it doesn't have like a single kind
1: of... What do you now Kelly controls his kind of his image pretty well? What do you think is behind him going, Yeah, you know what, I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm gonna do this. Like, I was wondering is the he same trying thing. to be is he going into that Donovan Jack Johnson thing? Because we know he's a really is a he's a relatively accomplished musician. I would suggest to you that, you know, I mean, he, I've seen him on stage. He knows what he's doing
0: more or less. Is I, he trying to move into that arena? And can he move into that arena? I don't think that was his objective, because if it was he would, have, he would have kind of a number of songs, and he would have picked the single out of the bunch and led with that. This seems like a novelty act. It's just like, I like singing. I like, oh, here's a song that I came across. That Let's
1: put it out there and see
0: what kind of maybe. response I get. And yeah. If
1: it gets good response, I'll move forward further.
0: Maybe. To yeah. your point, he has set up his own uh, Vivo account on YouTube. It's Kelly Slater Vivo. So like he has his own channel now. There's only one video. This is the first one. Also, the video production quality is pretty atrocious. It's hmm. like a couple of angles that are super lame. I mean, it looks like somebody shot this in the, I don't know. Maybe
1: that's, is it like that Blair Witch Project vibe?
0: Not, not even that cool. It's just like NYPD Blue an, or they're cutting like an hand, ap- cutting there it's just an afterthought. It's like, there was no direction at all. It was just like, Hey, do you have a camera? Oh, film this for me. Hmm. You know, and they shot it and it's all like monochromatic. Like, Well, Lord knows We've
1: struggled with the audio quality That's and production true. quality on this show. It's kind of
0: throwing stones, but, um, I will say it's worth watching. It is a little cringe worthy. You know, it's like, you're watching it a little bit going, Oh God, this is a little bit embarrassing, but it's not bad. It's just, yeah law you know? yeah. Huh. so i don't know what about point break two dude shutting down chopu to film point break two wow well my friend in tahiti
1: got back to me about that when it happened i think he, there were some locals that were a little bit
0: perturbed the day before it happened you messaged me and we're like hey this is going to go down and people are kind of bummed about it
1: yeah my my contact in tahiti who's very connected was kind of like there you know I'll just say that the that Raymana sort of runs the trip over there, of course, and I think that there's people over there that are jealous that they're not running the trip over there, and somebody has to run the trip over there absolutely and, and so you know I don't know um, and I know that my friend will listen to this and maybe he'll he'll fill me in some more. And he actually called me and i I missed his phone call um, I think that look at the end of the day, Tahitians want to get paid if if people come over and use their resources. Sure. And the fact that they're using um, surfers that aren't Tahitians, I think that bums some people out a little bit. The fact that they're using water patrol that's not Tahitian water patrol, I think that bums people out over there a little bit. I think at the end of the day, look, they see Hollywood show up, and Tahitians want to get paid. Yeah. And I can't blame them for that. And I think that's really the overriding sort of – frustration is that you know they're bringing in Australians,
0: Hawaiians, North Americans to surf in this thing. Specifically Albie Lair, Laurie Towner, Laird Hamilton, Bruce Irons were all stunt doubles right, on the cast. Right. And and you know
1: the water patrol is Brian Keolana, who's an established Hollywood stunt guy, you know, and Hollywood uses, you know, probably union guys like right. Brian and and I think that that perturbs certain factions of the Tahitian surf community a little bit and again yeah. i don't know all the ins and outs of it but that's sort of the underlying um
0: vibe that i'm getting yeah well they got an incredible swell i mean it made the billabong pro look small compared I to this i actually watched
1: it did you i sent you the link for, there's actually a, a chopu cam that's yeah. sort of in the in the channel yeah and i watched a little bit of it it was pretty fascinating and i saw guys getting shacks. oh know? yeah and, it
0: was crazy and of
1: course. The funny thing is, eventually the Hollywood guys let down their guard. They sort of had to. And the local Tahitians, Manoa Drolet's younger brother, sort of
0: stole the show. Yeah, 16-year-old kid. Yeah. Matahi yeah. or something. Yeah. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. Yeah. But he got the bomb of, of the swell. And I have
1: a picture that I just posted on Facebook that I'll show you. I don't know if you've seen this, but it's really fascinating. It's a different angle. It's an angle from a guy riding yeah. the ski...
0: And, um, I saw it on Instagram yesterday. It's pretty. Yeah, it's like if it's you were mental. if you were dry docked on the reef, and the biggest set of the day is coming at you, and you're going to get blown up by it. That is the angle. It's an angle we've never seen of it's, Chopu. It's
1: before. a really unique new angle, and um, I'm sure it'll we'll make the rounds. And David and I will put it on our website to show it to you. But it was obviously shot by a guy on a ski who just dropped this kid into this barrel, and yeah. it's a really neat. Really shows you sort of the vortex. And how the reef works with the wave, and oh, it's, it's,
0: it's pretty fascinating. But it's terrifying. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a terrifying angle. Yeah. Um, the other kind of thing about about that is uh, Lori Towner, one of the stunt doubles, Australian surfer, straightened out on a closeout and um, got completely obliterated by the wave. He hit his head on the reef. He actually blacked out, got blasted by the next wave while he was blacked out. So just full ragdoll situation broke his jaw, whiplashed his neck and back. He had punctures uh, throughout his body, but punctured through the back of his neck and into his mouth, narrowly missing an artery that probably would have killed him. He was rescued and hospitalized, and he's going to make a full recovery, but he got annihilated. Okay, that is, that I think just speaks to the,
1: to the death-defying quality. of Oh, yeah not death defying but the the um it was. life and death circumstances yeah. out there I mean the way you just described his injuries I was just imagining the ragdoll that he got and I mean he got lifted up and slammed down as if you know a large angry gorilla just threw you to the like he must have just got pounded and, right and I feel really you know sad for him and sorry for him and I'm glad he's going to be okay, but he he could have died, and people have died out there. I want to say at least two people have died out there. Mm. Um, I know a local Tahitian guy died out there um, a number of years ago.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's with all the water patrol on hand, but they can't rescue you in the midst of that. You know, they can only rescue you when the wave goes away. Uh, but Laurie Towner, I don't know if the guy has the worst luck ever. I know he surfs death defying waves all the time and so he's putting himself in this position but do you remember he was a wild card at the Billabong Pro at Pipeline the Pipe Masters, like two years ago and he dislocated his shoulder on a wave in his heat came in got it put back into position, went back out, caught another wave. And then I forget if he blew out his eardrum or whatever, but it was like, he had two wipeouts in a row that should have sidelined him. You know, he stayed out of the water after the second one. But and I remember he's a hell man. He's he, an Australian hell man. I remember him like breaking a leg too at like hours or something a, a year or two before that. So seems Australia like, is filled with those types of guys. Yeah. Like there's
1: a lot of them. And, and I think about all of the, you know, just sort of, change the subject a little bit, but I think about the ISIS stuff that's happening in Australia.
0: And Australia? I'm,
1: yeah. Where, you know, there's basically there's Australians that are Muslims that are coming back from Syria as ISIS members and are plotting to just randomly grab you off the street and cut your head off. And they've they've foiled this plot, but there's ongoing tension there in Australia. And I just think you know, Australians are going to rise up against the Muslims there, and just it's going to get ugly really, oh, yeah. really quick. Yeah. because you know they just simply won't stand for it. They're filled with Laurie Towners times twenty. Right. As far as you know, don't mess with us because you know we're blue collar and we're gonna we're not gonna let it. We're not gonna stand for it. Right. That really, is gnarly. That was, dude. That was a
0: sidetrack we just took there. So scary though. Um, I'm feeling like the show. Um, Moving right along. Yeah, moving right along. There's a couple things before we get to kind of the must-see moment stuff um, that I just want to recap from our our last couple of episodes. Did I ever tell you I'm hosting a screening for Bella Vita? (laughs) (laughs) I heard you're hosting one tomorrow night. Sold out. Sold out. Thanks to the show, perhaps. Probably. Uh, Sold out. We requested a larger theater. By the time people listen to this, it'll probably be over and done with. But... The reason um, isn't really to sell more tickets that I'm bringing it up. The reason is that Bellavita just got released on iTunes. It's available for download now. So if you wanted to see that and you're not able to come to the screening, you should definitely download it, bellavitafilm.com. And then I also mentioned seeing uh, Globe's new film, Strange Rumblings in Shangri-La. That just came out, I think, yesterday. Well worth a purchase. There's one other film I haven't yet seen that I really want to see, which is Stephanie in the Water. Stephanie Gilmore's new documentary. So you're shaking your head no. And then well, yes. I thought you were going to
1: say another film because there's a film that I heard about that was just mind-blowing, that's worthy. Oh, the Thundercloud. Yeah. yeah. I heard just through the rumblings at the, on the beach Saturday, people were just saying it's worth seeing on the big screen, that big day at cloud break during the Vulcan Fiji pro about a year and a half ago. Yeah. See, and, and I remember the large format version of that. And I guess the edit and the job that the guy did that put it together. And I, I'm sorry. I'm one I don't palm,
0: have... one palm media is the, yeah, there's company. a guy's
1: name that that's behind one palm that I, I wish I knew his name, but anyway, well, um, his name was thrown around as, you know, just a real worthy film.
0: What's crazy is I remember them advertising that a year ago. Like, they were putting it together, obviously. It was all based on that one swell where they shut down the event, the the CT event. And my go-to with
1: that when I heard about it, like you, was, oh, you know what? I've already seen it. I lived it. I was there. I watched it live. Yeah. But what I'm getting is that, no, 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 you have to see this on the large screen, even if it's at home on your 60-inch right. with the edit and the sound and right. the music and the whole and the way they did it, I guess, is just mind-blowing. But again, in a large format.
0: Yeah. Well, I, when I saw it a year ago advertised, I thought like, holy crap, this looks incredible because of the cameras that they used and all this attention to detail. But what's amazing is that it took a year in post-production to actually come to fruition. It, in the surf world, we're not used to waiting this long anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, so it better be good, right? It's one of those things where you know so. they must have kicked ass in post because. Yeah, I guess so. Um, you got any new topics? Well,
1: the only other thing I, I want to talk about real quick is, excuse me. Hurricane Odile, which absolutely devastated Cabo San Lucas, which is a place that's close to our hearts here in Southern California. A lot of Southern Californians have homes down there and travel down there and surf down along the entire coast of Baja. It was completely devastated, like wiped out. Like Mm. we're not really hearing about it. I think the way we should be hearing about it. Right. And a lot of that has to do with they don't want to scare off tourists. They just feel like they just got tourists to come back down to Baja. And um, it's not pretty down there. And um, the one thing I would suggest is, I know Waves for Water is doing a big um, push to get help down there, and so um, you might look into maybe go to Hurley's website. I bet they have a Waves for Water link there on the Hurley website, we'll or just put, simply we'll
0: put, Google. How about we Google it? Put links on our website. We'll do that as
1: well. But I mean, if you're listening and you're, you're scanning your. So Waves for Water is, is actively doing stuff down there. I'm sure there are other NGOs that are doing, giving help down there, but yeah. um, it's drastically needed, and, and not just for the tourist infrastructure, but for the poor souls that live down there that are having a hard time. I mean, the roads are devastated. There's just people, there's no access to these people. So I would encourage listeners uh, uh, to check into that if, if you feel like giving. Certainly um, those people in that
0: region need our help. I agree. And I also think that there would be more press on this if the hurricane had a different name. <laughs> oh, deal? Like, it sounds... It's the real deal. No, man. They need, like, Hurricane, you know... Gonzalez. <laughs> no, Nightmare or, like, Undertaker or something right. crazy, like...
1: It's a little too... Like, and then there was...
0: M- much, it's, like... Like an old lady. Like, yeah. what is this, a 95-year-old female hurricane? It's like, like
1: a, mater- ma- it's
0: a m- maternal. Maternal? No, yeah, maybe. Yeah. like It's got like a real soft name. Like, like, it didn't make the cut for the Golden Girls, and then it got cast into the hurricane. Right. Yeah, like, what about in the other one that was around here, previous to that was Norbert? Yeah. The nerdiest hurricane ever. <laughs> like, who names these things? I don't know. Polo is the next one. Is it?
1: It's out there right now. It's probably a tropical storm. Polo. Yeah.
0: Oh, so this is like the preppy one that uh, (laughs) I don't know (laughs) that hangs out in, uh, you know. But it certainly has been
1: an active hurricane season and uh, continues to be. There's another storm that actually, I think if the models, you know, the models have been really accurate. And if the models are to be believed, this next storm is going to turn into a tropical storm and then into a hurricane. And I think it's going to be a wave maker for Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just now today, like sort of starting to create itself and and form.
0: Talking about hurricanes and big waves, you mentioned something, um, Big Wave Hellman. I saw you post it on Facebook or something, that ESPN little mini-series. What do you know about that? I think episode one was last night. I don't know too much
1: about it other than, you know, my friend Paul is the producer, Paul Toblieb, and Sam George is also behind it, and Sam's a dear friend of mine. So I was just sort of trying to promote their product for them. I didn't really look into it, you okay. know, but I'm sure it's great. You so know? it's on ESPN. These are the same guys that did the Eddie movie. Right. It's on that ESPN 2. won an two. award, um, the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on Eddie Icow. So this is their production company. Yeah, it's on ESPN 2. It might've been on mm-hmm. last night.
0: They're, yeah, last night and tonight. Okay. And it inter- it follows Greg Long, Shane Dorian, uh, Grant Baker, and Mark Healy. Kind of interviews them. They have like a round table interview kind of thing. And then it, retraces some of their heroic steps recently. And like Greg Long's near death, wipeout at Cortez and his
1: return to kind of get back on the horse. Right. Yeah.
0: It's kind of a mini documentary mini series, but um, they did a preview show for it on NBC on Sunday. Right. So I watched, I recorded the preview show and to bring back a conversation we had last time is it's big wave surfing. I'm trying to be engaged in it. I'm trying to watch it, and I freaking made – I made it 20 minutes through this hour preview show and had to shut it off because I just – It didn't capture you. It didn't capture me. It's not that interesting. Like I'm curious. They're showing Mark Healy swimming with sharks and all that, and it's like, oh, this is super interesting. And then they show some big wave clips, and I start tuning out, you know, and and it's just like – You didn't
1: connect the dots really good. Dude,
0: 20 minutes into the thing, I was like – why am I looking up Instagram on my phone and wanting to watch reality TV instead of this? Hmm. You know what I mean? Well that's too bad. So yeah, sorry to hear that. And I'm and that's not to shame Paul's production quality or anything. It's just it's the big wave format is what is hard to just identify with as a surfer, you know, and I'm not sure what the what the hiccup is, but I'm going to watch it. I'm going to force myself, and then I'm going to watch the actual two episodes that are on ESPN2, and then I'll come back with a more informed opinion. I'm just giving you the... Uh, your initial thoughts. Initial thought. Got it. Musty moment. moment? Um, what's your musty moment, David? Remember Taj Burrow and uh, Mark Matthews doing the camera angle at the right in Australia? Yes. Mark Matthews is now one upping that effort and he's attempting to capture the world's first virtual reality 360 degree footage inside a 12 foot barrel at ours oh, well good for him and <laughs> i can't wait to see this he is doing it behind professional skimboarder brad Domkey. oh that guy's crazy we've seen footage of him at puerto escondido and stuff yeah. riding a skimboard yeah he's now skimming hours being towed in on a skimboard and Mark Matthews is behind him with this camera set up trying to get a 360-degree angle in the barrel at ours.
1: That is so cool. That's a difficult way to do that, At It's it's, there's a lot of warble and a lot of, you know, you'd think the right in Australia would be easier than ours in Australia. But yeah, I don't know.
0: So Sounds like they know what they're doing. So um, Garage Films is none of the footage hasn't been released, but they're like slowly giving you bits and pieces to like tease it. Yeah. So I'm giving you guys, our listeners, the inside track on this must see moment so that you can follow Garage Films is their Instagram. And then their website is garage Entertainment. Dot com dot au, and we'll have links to that on Surf Splendor Podcast and Down the Line Radio.com. Um, but just pay attention to that, they'll be doling it out probably over the next couple weeks.
1: Well, my must moment is I would ask the listeners to go onto YouTube. And do a search for the Soul Train line dancing. Oh God! And um, just get a kick out of some of the '70s garb that the, the guys are doing, uh, wearing when they're doing their line dance, and some of the music. And it's sort of a hoot. Yeah. To uh, to it'll make you smile. It'll make you sort of enjoy. The you know. the
0: video the clip that you posted um, was what song was it to? War? It was
1: uh, yeah. It was. Um, uh, I forget the exact okay. song, but it was it was to dance. So I think it was like Bayad, you know, to okay. dance or something like that. So
0: so whatever the song was, I'm let I me check. It. Let me double check. I clicked the play button, of course. Yes. And I watched the dancing to this song. I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, they just dubbed that song over the dancing. Oh, did they? They did because I posted the same thing essentially six months ago, but it was like a different song. to a different song. They're using this one dance. Uh, sequence that was really radical to watch, and then just playing different music over it. So there's 20 different versions of it on YouTube. Uh-huh. The same dancing, but with different music, essentially. But well, the that's dance, okay. oh, it's totally okay, <laughs> dude. I watched the whole thing. Um, so the song, yeah, Bailero, Bailero, Bailero. By, by but the dancing is so rad, dude. Classic 70s Soul Train funk. So good. Just warms my heart for some reason to watch that. Don Cornelius. The guy's a legend. Look at the guy. Oh, man. DC. Class act. I wish we could get him in the broadcast Whenever booth. I
1: see these, these people dancing and stuff, I'm just like, this is like 1979. Like, what kind of drugs were they on? They were just all like snorting coke and getting hammered and just
0: dancing. Must have been awesome. I don't know about that. <laughs> this is the Hurley Lowers Pro of dancing, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, by the way, um,
1: before we sort of Duke and kook before Duke and kook well get your fantasy teams
0: ready for Quicksilver Pro because it's going to start tomorrow on the 24th yeah the women already green lit I think they had a lay day but you can't pick your team now if the event already started so
1: that's going to start up this week yeah um who's your Duke and
0: kook uh I don't have a Duke and kook I apologize go ahead who's yours uh Duke the Godowskis brothers for hosting their annual Stokerama event I mentioned this kind of randomly a couple of weeks back um, that they do this and it's really rad it's all local san clemente kids are allowed to attend completely free event they get tons of things donated from their sponsors and every kid i think there's about 100 kids that participate every kid gets a free grab bag with like a new pair of vans um, sunglasses all this stuff and it's just a rat event. The Gudangs host it. It costs them money to host. Their sponsors cost them tons of stuff to host. Yeah, it does, dude. I know, but Permitting. it's all part
1: of the marketing. I mean, the, no, all, everybody does this. Like the Irons Brothers have their Pine Trees thing.
0: Part of their marketing. Parco does it. Yeah, it's all. So part... you think they're only doing it out of selfish no, no, intent? No, no,
1: no, no, I'm just saying the cost that you're talking about is all. Mar- it all rolls into their marketing budget. Like it's, dude, they, they want to do it. it they're takes, happy to do it. It I mean, takes a... a lot of effort to do. Of course it does. Everything takes. Effort. What do you it do? Is... Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm not down on it. I'm just saying it's not like the Gudangs are taking dollars out of their their pocket. This is part of the vans marketing budget.
0: No, I yes. think the gudangs are taking no. not only dollars out of their pocket, but time at it. They could either easily, way. It's great, but they I could think be at the wrong. instead I, instead of doing that in the morning. They could have been at the bar the night before, banging chicks. You know what I mean? And sleeping <laughs> in the next so. day. No, they could have. But they're devoting. They're choosing where I'm to devote doubting their time that to. They're into it and that they're sincere. I think it's a
1: great thing. I'm just saying that it's not some big cost. It's a minor little blip in the Vans
0: marketing budget. I'm it's a you. huge effort on their behalf. And you hate the children of not. San Clemente. I, I yeah, do you not. did. I am stoked on them. I'm, you hate the children of San Clemente. I do not hate
1: the children <laughs> of San Clemente. I'm a big fan. Like, everybody does this, and it's, it's all good. I'm Dude, the Groms are stoked, and that's what, it, that's what counts.
0: San, uh, they got Kelly Slater to attend. Sonny Garcia was there. It's like, how rad would that be if you're a Grom? Stoked. Getting to hang out with Kelly Slater. Super stoked. And everybody, it's all high fives. I don't think there's even like losers in the event really, which I'm kind of against in theory. <laughs> but but for the Stokorama, I'm for having no losers. Okay. Uh who's your kook? Other than the gudangs and the children okay. no, of San Clemente. I,
1: I don't think I have a kook. Everyone is a Duke Honomoku. All the people that participated in the Hundred Wave Challenge and all the donators.
0: Okay. Donors such as yourself. Um, let me just say I want to put you on blast for a second. Listeners love the Duke and kook. You have to come up with a Duke and kook. It's not okay to show up and be like, oh, I don't have one. You're it's right. It's the best part of the show. You're right. You want to hear my kook? I it's do. Not, it's not you. Who's your kook? I'll uh, try to come up with one. The one. Australian government or city council or whoever that is trying to institute a pay per wave plan oh, in yes. Queensland. That's a good one. So radical measures have been floated to solve chronic overcrowding and surf rage at popular breaks, such as snapper rocks. Surfers have been assaulted and deliberately speared by boards as tensions rise at crowded point breaks. At Currumbin Alley, one surfer has died and others have been seriously injured after being run over by boards, um, which, or by run over by boats, I'm sorry, in breaks that share uh, the water with surfers and so the, st- the city or the government or whomever is trying to institute this new plan where you actually have to pay to surf and that is a kooky move that my, is i would balance. agree with that and i don't think there's any alternative argument to this it's no, just there kooky isn't.
1: yeah that is lame so. and i will just sort of ride on your coattails i guess my kook would have to be martin potter mm. for his performance in the heritage event mm. at the hurley pro Mm. It was a letdown. I don't think I'm the only one that feels that way. Uh, Potts, love you, but you're the kook for your performance out there. And I'm sure Potts feels like he didn't live up to what he was expecting to do. Uh,
0: one more word on that. He seemed so intensely angry going into it. Like, he wanted to rip Gurr's head off. Gurr was just having a fun, loving time with it, you know? And, and Martin, that kind of showed in his performance. It was just like he wanted to kill and skidded out on a couple turns like yeah it wasn't pretty didn't look good was not pretty not how we want to remember pots that's all right yeah so that's all we got um that is it. your
1: email is hello, hello. at surf my email is surf san diego at gmail.com and my website, downthelineradio.com?
0: Yeah, and surfsplendorpodcast.com. I also want to promote the fact that last week I dropped part one of part two of my interview. <laughs> part one of part, part one two? of a two-part, sorry. Part one of a two-part interview with Mickey Munoz. Cool. Dude, and it was rad. I love that Like, guy. he chimed in on the Tahiti event and John John Florence and Gabe Medina. Like, we weren't just talking history. We were talking about you know, modern surfing and he's rad dude. And so the inner part one went incredibly well. People gave me great feedback and part two coming next week.
1: Well, I look forward to hearing that because Mickey is the man. Everyone loves Mickey Munoz. A great guy.
0: Yeah. The man.
1: All right. Until next time, um, for David, this is Scott saying adios and aloha. There's nothing to do here Some just whine and complain
0: Helping me co host this show, take the pressure off just a little bit, and then add new types of pressure to me in all sorts of different ways. But it's all good. Very much appreciate your contributions and sharing this thing with me. And then, of course, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Um, This show exists because of you and actually has grown because of you, not only in terms of sharing the show like we always ask you to, but um, one real specific way. Is that the episode with Mickey Munoz, part one last week, part two's coming next week? That came about via Josh Martin, who I did an episode with uh, that you should listen to. He's a surfboard shaper in San Clemente area. I did a show with him, and Mickey's actually his uncle, which is a part of surf history that I didn't know. But even the interview with Josh Martin came from a listener. I believe um, Adam Neal was the listener. He recommended, like, he's bought boards from Josh, and he's like, hey, you should interview Josh. So, again, a listener recommends something. I follow through and interview Josh because of that. And then Josh clues me in on his uncle, Mickey, and he's like, dude, you should interview Mickey. And it just grows from there organically. And that's just one example. There's been a couple of different things. And I'm sure this interview with Mickey will open the doors to some of mickey's friends or maybe even just somebody who listened to the interview with mickey and that lent credibility to this show and they'll be more willing to participate in the future so this stuff grows in exponential dimensions in ways that we can't anticipate but it all happens just due to your active engagement and so that's just what i want to kind of reaffirm and express gratitude for so thank you for that in order to get involved, though, it's best to do it on social media at Surf Splendor on Instagram, Twitter, and then Facebook. You can just search Surf Splendor. And then, of course, on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. There's a comment section for each episode, and sometimes they're lively and sometimes they're dormant, but um, but it's, it, it's helpful in crafting the show to get that feedback, so feel free to share it there. And then other people chime in on people's comments, too, so... Cool, cool dynamic, cool community that develops. And then if you like any of the music that you hear in any episode, we have an archive on the website as well. So go to surfsplenderpodcast.com and tick all those boxes. Alright? That is it for this week of Surf Splendor. Cannot wait to share Mickey Munoz episode two uh, next week. So definitely download that and share that with friends. Alright? That is it for now. This is your host, David Scales, saying until next week, ciao.